Hello, everyone. You're listening to Her Health, the show that puts women's health first and helps you prioritize your well-being and whole body health. I'm your host, Brett Barrow, and this season we are exploring topics to promote women's health on all levels, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, to help you take control of your health and wellness so you can thrive and be your healthiest you. Today, I'm joined by Mary Ann Dunlap, nurse practitioner with Providence in Portland, Oregon, to discuss the basics of women's health and what you can do to stay on track with maintaining your overall wellness. We'll be discussing what you should expect from your annual checkups, what health screenings are most important for women to get and when they should get them, and when it might be time to call in a specialist. Remember everyone, many of our questions come from our listeners on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health System. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Okay, let's get started by welcoming our guest. Hello, Mary Ann. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Brett. It's so nice to meet you and it's great to be here today. So before we get started, I know you've been a guest on some previous podcasts, but can you let our listeners who don't know you get a little bit more acquainted with who you are and what you do here at Providence? Right. So um, I'm a general primary care uh, provider at Providence. Um, Currently, I'm doing wellness for mostly geriatric folks, but I have a 22-year history of being a nurse practitioner with Providence, and in that time, I've had panels of patients. And uh, one of my primary uh, specialties previously was women's health care. I had a very um, heavily female-based panel of patients um, for about 13 years. And so um, I learned a whole lot about women's health care and being a woman, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, it's, I'm sure, you know, we we tend to become experts in what we know best and what we are. So that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. But, but for this new season of Her Health, uh, we wanted to start off with the basics on what women need to know to be healthy and stay healthy. And that starts with going to the doctor, whether we really like it or not, mm-hmm. and making sure that we make the, the appropriate appointments that we need. Uh, can you tell us how often women should be getting regular checkups? And is there a certain age where it needs to be more frequent? Yeah, actually there is. So generally, um, let's start with talking about women sort of 18, 21, you know, and up. And so um, most women are going to want to see their doctor about every three years from the age of around 21, let's say, um, on up to about age 50. And then generally about yearly after age 50, just because, and I'm in this category now, when you hit 50, there's just a few more things that can start happening Um, and, and probably a few more screenings that need to be done as well. Um, So that's kind of the general recommendations. And most of these recommendations I'm going to talk about are for just generally healthy uh, individuals without a lot of uh, other risk on top. But, you know, certainly I I love people talking to their doctors about um, their own individual risks. So what would somebody expect from their regular physical? And are there any tests that you should be asking and asking for and also we should be expecting that the doctors are going to test for? Right. So when you go for your annual physical, really the the things that you're looking at is that you're screening for medical issues like hypertension, you know, high blood pressure, um, cholesterol issues, potentially, um, diabetes screenings, um, those sorts of things. Then assessing your risk for any um, future problems, um, such as 
can happen with being overweight, um, which of course is something that is is definitely um, really an epidemic right now and something I struggle with um, is trying to maintain a normal weight. Lifestyle assessments, you know, we really do want to also look at people's, like you were saying, their spiritual health, their mental well-being. So depression screenings are really important uh, just to make sure everybody's, you know, doing okay. Um, update your vaccines and then just actually maintaining a relationship with a provider in case things come up. You kind of want to have some sort of a relationship with somebody that you see every so often in case you have another acute problem. So uh, that's kind of what you should we should expect. And I can get into some more details as we go along about uh, specifically how we check for certain things and, and the specific guidelines, for instance, for um, cholesterol screening and diabetes screening. Uh, you actually mentioned though mental health. So yeah. would we be expected that our doctors are going to ask us about how our mental health is? And if they are going to ask us, what kind of questions are they going to be asking us? Yeah, generally they screen with two basic questions like, have you been feeling down, depressed, or hopeless over the past couple of weeks? And, you know, how difficult have you, have these things been for you in your general life? Um, sometimes they'll, if, if you have positive answers to those, then they'll go into more questions about how you're sleeping, how you're eating, how you're interacting with people and that sort of stuff. But there's usually generally just two basic screening questions. And if you, say that you're feeling, um, you know, down, depressed and hopeless more days of the week than not, then they're probably going to want to do additional screening questions on that. And on that, you know, if they were to decide that maybe your mental health isn't in the best place, yeah. would we expect that they would then possibly suggest some type of therapy or? Right. Okay. So you'd have a, you'd want to have a definite discussion with a person as to what, you know, sort of, first of all, how bad is the situation and um, what their beliefs and their belief system around things like medications versus um, therapy or the combination of both, which is, I think, sometimes the best in a, in a more serious circumstance. But I think therapy is probably the first way to go. So having somebody to talk to and within Providence, you know, we have some we have um, behavioral health providers in most of our clinics that we can even do a warm handoff to to get people connected, uh, which is a wonderful thing. But we also, you know, even if somebody's not connected with Providence, there's so many therapists that are available and they do such a great job. But that's would be the first recommendation is probably somebody to talk to. Um, and then and then also the conversation uh, may may go towards medications as well, possibly, but also lifestyle. I think we have to look at meditation, we have to look at exercise. We know that some of these things are as effective as medications for the treatment of anxiety and depression. And, and things like that. So, um, you know, hopefully a real well-rounded holistic type provider will go into all those, those different topics. Yeah, and I think too, especially if we go off of the last year, I think a lot of people are experiencing mental, mental health issues, but that may not be very severe, but they may be more situational. And so I do think it's important also for us as individuals to be aware of how we're feeling and what's going on in our life you know, in terms of being proactive in case you do need to go, you know, to therapy or get additional help. Um, but in terms of women's health, what about going to that lovely doctor that we all, you know, really enjoy going to, uh, the gynecologist? The how, gynecologist. Often, how often should we be going to that type of doctor? And, you know, is there a time or an age at which we should be going more frequently? And what can we expect? 
Sure. So I think, um, you know, you can have your general checkups with your primary care provider, your just general general practitioner. That's okay. Um, or you can choose a gynecologist. Um, that's another option. And a gynecologist, I think, is just what I would consider sort of a subspecialist for women. So some people definitely go that route. A lot of women will do that during their childbearing years, particularly if they're having like maybe pregnancies in between times, you know, so somewhere between, you know, the 20s, early 20s up to 40 is a common time to see uh, a gynecologist because a lot of times there's also obstetrics involved in that. So there's also having babies in that range, um, uh, which some people do and some people don't, but gynecologists are great. Um, they oftentimes, um, you know, just delve in maybe a little bit more a little bit deeper into some some of the women's healthcare issues. For instance, um, when I saw a gynecologist, um, she discussed with me uh, and did a tool to screen me for a breast cancer risk. And so in my typical practice, I would ask general questions, but this was actually a tool that um, got breast cancer risk uh, assessment for me that indicated whether or not I might need some genetic testing or other advanced testing. So um, in my general practice, I didn't do that, um, but a gynecologist did do that for me. So, so you know, you just have to pick and choose what you want to do and who you feel most comfortable with. Um, for the screenings, if you wanted to go that, yeah, so, I was just gonna ask you that next. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think the first thing that people think of that's synonymous with going to the gynecologist is your Pap smear, right? Which mm -hmm. is the um, sampling, um, typically of some cells from your cervix to check for cervical cancer. And um, cervical cancer is um, a, a very common cancer, uh, particularly uh, you know, in women, but particularly um, younger women, we see a lot of abnormal cells that, that happen. And so basically, the issue is, is we used to start PAPs pretty young, uh, you know, usually at your first sexual activity or even before they would recommend doing a PAP. Now the guidelines are for general healthy folks to start at age 21. Um, and this all relates to human papillomavirus, which is a whole nother topic. And probably there will be a whole podcast that could be related to this particular issue. Um, but um, it's a very common virus. And, you know, um, a lot of times people will be testing positive for it, you know, early in life. So what they recommend is just a pap smear without necessarily doing HPV specific testing for women aged 21 to 29, basically. Okay. Okay. And then um, after age um, 29, the, um, and, and this would be every three years, that would be every three years for that 21 to 29 group. From age 30 to about 65, they recommend a, a PAP. There's three things you could do. You could do a PAP plus HPV testing, which is, again, it's a separate test. One is just sampling cells from the cervix. The other one is looking for the DNA of the HPV virus to tell you whether you have a high risk strain of HPV which is linked to cervical cancer. So an HPV plus a pap smear every five years, uh -huh. a pap test alone every three years, or an HPV test um, alone every um, three years. So those are the general guidelines uh, for, for that pap test that we do. Um, Quick question. Yes. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm the only one who doesn't know this, but for the <laughs> HPV test versus doing the general PAP, is that is the HPV test also a um, the same type of test as is it done the same way? Um, yeah, yeah. So you can do it right in the midst of doing uh, the Pap test. So it's basically the same type type of exam where you're going to have the speculum, and okay. then they're going to be using some sort of a device to just um, um, sample some cells. 
Okay. And they can actually be combined. So when I used to do pap smears a lot, what I would do is a combination test. Uh, what I would be doing is sampling the cells. I would send it in some cytology off to the lab and they would do both the cell sampling to see whether there was any abnormal cells and also do the HPV uh, um, DNA probe to see whether there was any high risk DNA for HPV detected. And so again, that's we know that HPV is highly um, associated, high risk HPV is highly associated with cervical cancer. And so that's, um, that's why it's so important to figure out if you have that. There is a lot of HPV though that doesn't have, that isn't associated with cancer. So again, it, talking to your doctor is super important about that. And it's, I think it's also, you just made a really good point. I think it's really, important to feel comfortable talking to your doctor and having that open line of communication and feeling comfortable asking maybe the questions that seem silly or make you feel like you you know you should be googling it but it's better to actually talk talk directly to a professional Right. And, and the stigma around certain things as well, you know, with your doctor, you should just let all that go, you know, um, because um, testing for sexually transmitted infections is also something really important that women do. Um, and it, it varies from uh, person to person how often you're going to need to have those tests or want to have those tests. But I think we just need to destigmatize that. Infections happen. They happen to everybody. And we can be as careful as we as we should be. Um, but things will still happen. So I think we all need to take care of our health and and, and make sure that we're screened for things um, as, as the needs arise. I also think too, at the end of the day, when you really think about it, no matter what question you ask, I'm sure your doctors heard worse. And no matter what- oh, for sure. So at the end of the day, it's, it's important to protect yourself. Um, what, when you're going to a wellness exam, um, what should you be prepared to talk about? Um, anything. I mean, literally anything that's bothering you. So first of all, any physical symptoms that you're having that you're concerned about. So anything that you think might be wrong. You know, if, there, if you think there's something wrong, if something feels wrong, ask about it. Um, a lot of times we will then ask more questions to try to pull out, you know, sort of where, where, where we need to look, you know, do we need to look at something? Is there something wrong? And then that guides a little bit of um, what types of blood tests and things we do, because there's general guidelines for certain blood tests, you know, again, like we talked about cholesterol screenings, um, you know, starting at um, typically around 45 years old for most folks, but with higher risk individuals, people who have known heart disease in their family, you might want to start as young as 20 with those. So again, bringing up all the things about your family history, um, your personal history, and then things you're feeling and experiencing. Um, that guides sort of, you know, what types of lab work we want to do and other testing that we want to do to try to help you feel the best. And then just giving you general um, information about lifestyle stuff. You know, if you tell us, I feel lethargic all the time and we find out that you're not sleeping well, not eating well, not exercising, we're going to give you some suggestions on that as well. So in terms of what, what are the questions that our, the doctors should be asking us? Or what can we expect that they're going to be asking us? Are they going to be asking us, you know, specific questions or is it, is there like a checklist that a doctor is going off of or is it really catered to us personally? Yeah, it should be every individual person. So, I mean, there's some general things I'll ask people like, when was your last eye exam? When was your last dental exam? And those are sometimes things that uh, people don't hear from their their providers. Um, I, you know, I'm always trying to be a little more holistic and kind of get, get it all in there. Um, people may ask about how you eat. Um, I mean, prepare to be a little invaded here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how do you eat? How do you sleep? And do you exercise? So lifestyle things. Um, do you generally gather and, and commingle with people? You know, because we know that in regards to um, 
you know, your health, having a good community around you is important for most people. But then you find out some people, you know, prefer sometimes to be more alone. You know, you've got the introvert extrovert thing that's getting to know your patient. Um, but, you know, I think you're looking at all that. And then you're also looking at the other uh, more nuts and bolts things like, are you due for a pap smear? Are you due for a mammogram? Are you due for cholesterol screening? You know, those types of things are kind of the bottom line basics. But I think a really great provider will ask you a lot of questions about your lifestyle and that sort of stuff too. That sounds like, you know, it, I feel like that's what we, we need to be asking. We need to be asked these questions and we need to feel comfortable asking the questions that we may not feel comfortable asking, but right. our health is so important because we're really only given one life. But we got a question from Joelle from Instagram. And I think this is a great Great question to lead into this segment. Um, she says that as a female in her 20s, uh, she's embarrassed to admit that she hasn't been to the gynecologist yet. So she wants to know what she should expect from this type of doctor visit. Great. Well, let's walk through it. So, you know, you, you, you get there, you check in. Um, usually you'll have a medical assistant or nurse come in and retrieve you out of the waiting room, get you into the room and, and check some basic vital signs. You know, oftentimes weight, height, temperature, blood pressure, pulse, stuff like that. Um, the nurse oftentimes will um, give you, you know, like we talked about screening exams, like um, um, depression screenings and things like that. She'll often administer those right then and just kind of ask you some general questions about um, other uh, physical symptoms you might be experiencing as well. Um, and then typically, it depends on the provider, typically what they're going to do is they're going to have you go ahead and undress at that point, and they're going to provide you with um, a variety of things. So one might be a cloth gown with also a cloth drape. Sometimes they will give you a, um, a paper type of a gown to put on and also a paper drape, but usually you get two things, some sort of a gown to cover your body and a drape to cover your lower body. Um, and that definitely makes you feel more comfortable, I think, to have both those items. You feel pretty well covered. Um, sometimes you will have providers that will come in and meet you first if they haven't met you before, but more often than not, it, the nurse will have you get undressed um, for the visit. And generally, you'll have to wait a little bit by yourself, you know, typically a few minutes up to, you know, maybe 15 even, um, uh, hopefully not much longer than that, um, for the provider to come in, at which point they'll come in and usually sit and have a nice discuss discussion with you before they start any physical examination. Um, so they're going to ask you all the questions that, that we've talked about earlier. Um, they'll ask you a lot of things that might seem really personal. And so you know, don't be afraid to answer those. They're going to ask you a sexual health history. You know, they're going to want to know um, if you're having, um, you know, if you're having sex with um, more than one partner um, for sexually uh, transmitted infection um, screenings uh, and also for HPV, um, which again is so common. Um, and then um, also, you know, are, there ha are you having pain, discomfort, any other things that you might want to discuss? Um, you just have to be really open and just realize that that's what they're there for. They're to, there to help you with any issues you might be having in uh, those areas. And then they'll also try to determine what other screenings they need to do. Like we we're talking about lab work, you know, what particular lab work might be um, important for you, like blood tests and that sort of thing. Uh, then the exam usually uh, occurs, which is usually actually pretty fast. They usually will listen to your heart and lungs, and then they'll get down to the uh, pap smear gynecological examination. Um, sometimes there'll be a breast exam. Most often there will be. Um, and um, and then usually that piece is usually over pretty quickly, five minutes max. Um, most of it's talking, honestly. And is there... Um 
you know, should you come in with questions? And and is there is there any way that you should be preparing for this at all, this type of visit? Certainly, if you have any questions, um, you know, that you, you can think of, just have them with you. Sometimes people get nervous. So write them down and, and just have them with you so that you, you know, because if you get nervous, you forget things. So right. go ahead and write them down. Um, but just I think the biggest thing is to to realize that, that that the person that you're seeing is really there all about you at that visit. And um, you don't feel afraid to answer their questions honestly and accurately and uh, just just be open. Uh, that's a great point. And actually sort of moving back to the general practitioner, if you're just going in for your annual physical or whatnot, you know, are there are there things that we should be bringing with us? Like, should we, I don't know, have a checklist of things, you know, in terms of our family history or in terms of, you know, what should we know about ourselves? Especially if you perhaps, because especially younger women tend to move a lot. And let's say you just moved across country and now you're, you know, joining the Providence Network, um, you know, what information should you have? So any medications that you take, um, you, you want to know what they are and what they're for. Um, you want to know any allergies to medications or other things in the environment that you might have. Those are important. Um, knowing some of your family history is really good. But the nice thing is, is you're usually going to get a questionnaire or you're going to have somebody asking you and prompting you for some of those questions. So knowing that you're going to need to know a little bit about your family history, or hopefully you do, you know, in, particularly in regards to early heart problems or early well, any cancers, but early heart problems, cancers, and that sort of thing. Um, those are important things, questions that will be asked of you. So um, knowing those medications, allergies, some family history, important things to know that you're going to be asked about those, but you will be prompted. So um, it's nice. People will try to gather that from you, what they need. You don't have to come in with like a resume. No, but, <laughs> but the things that you're feeling in your body, those are the things that, that we're going to want to know about. The things that you're concerned about or feeling, you know, if you're having particular problems or concerns or questions, bring that. So, you know, I've actually talked to a lot of women. And I think one thing that women tend to, you know, you get so engrossed in your own life and you, you know, everything that you have to deal with and whatnot. And so there are screenings that we're told that we're supposed to get, but, you know, and I've had a lot of women say to me like, Oh, I, I missed my screening because no one called and told me. But I think at the same point, yes, it would be wonderful if our doctors called and reminded us. And I think there are a lot of doctors that will, but I also do think that we have to be very proactive for ourselves. And I think the way that we do that is obviously through education and knowing, you know, when you're supposed to go and get these screenings, which leads mm -hmm. to my next question, which is when should we be getting screenings such as a mammogram, a colonoscopy? Mm -hmm. um, Great, great question. And I think that it is important that everybody do take some responsibility for their own health and know a little bit around, about the guidelines. And, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of Googling your symptoms. If you have a problem, I think you'd bring that to your doctor. But you can Google guidelines. Guidelines, <laughs> yes. I, I speak from total experience. Do not Google symptoms. I swear you will diagnose yourself with most likely, if you're anything like me, the worst of the worst, then be like the 0.00 percentage. Convince yourself that you're like the 0.001% of the people that actually has this thing that you 
don't have. It's so. very, it's very, very true. Um, but guidelines are easily accessed, you know. And so, if you have a question, you think, "Gosh, I know it's been a year since I had this." You can, first of all, you can always access your doctor's office and ask them. But if you want to, you know, they have great general guidelines online for for screening tests. Um, but let's get down to the nitty gritty on those sorts of things. We talked about Pap smears. You know, he basically said a Pap test age 21 to 29 every three years, and then 30 to 65 is going to be every three to five years uh, based on the type of test you get and your doctor will guide you along those lines and then for higher risk people they those things will change so you know if you've had a history of hpv or you've had abnormal pap smears so definitely be following with your doctor if there's ever been an abnormal issue there um, in regards to colon cancer, they just decreased that screening down to age 45. Uh, so starting um, colon cancer screening at age 45. Now, that was just this year, as a matter oh, wow. of fact. Yeah. Um, mammograms, it's interesting. There are different people and groups that will make different guidelines. And that's true for all of these things. So know that none of this is completely set in stone. So you have your American Cancer Society, you have the US Preventative Services Task Force, you have the American Academy of Family Practice. All of these people have guidelines that they have in place. And I generally follow, you know, for cancer screenings, I look at the American Cancer Society commonly. Um, and so mammogram, they generally recommend for most, most guidelines are gonna be somewhere around age 45 for the general population. Some people go down to 40. Um, so that's a good question to ask your own personal doctor. What do you think between, you know, between the ages of 40 and 50, my, my need for screening? Because it's very clear that age 50 and up to about age 75, but maybe beyond that a little bit, um, you're going to want to get um, either every year or every two years based on your circumstances and whose guidelines you follow, you're going to want to get a mammogram. So generally, the recommendation that, that I would say is I look at generally, I would go I err on the side of caution. So my general recommendation is age 40. And I would say yearly screenings at age 40 until the age of 50 at least. And then a discussion about whether you could go every two years. My leaning is towards yearly. Um, that is in uh, contrast to the US Preventative Care Task Force, which um, says every two years after age 50. But again, your doctor can provide you with the reasons why they, um, they'll, if you want to ask direct questions like that, like, why would you say this screening and somebody else says that? They'll answer you and tell you honestly what their feeling is on it. And I think that's a, that's a really good point because I think, again, going back to what we sort of have been saying throughout this entire episode is that it is important for you to feel open asking your doctor these questions. If there's something you don't understand, don't hesitate asking them to clarify why they're saying this or why they're you know leading you this way or that way, right? Uh, and I think another thing I wanted to mention when you were talking about screenings is you know certainly um, this past year people have put their screenings off uh, related to COVID, and so there's a couple things about that. It definitely get back in and get your screenings back on track. If you put off your colonoscopy, if you put off your mammogram, or if you put off coming in for a Pap smear, get them back on track and know that you may wait a little bit longer for your exam. Um, because there are so many people that are coming back in uh, to get their preventative care now that um, things are opening up, up more. So um, we really, really want to see people. We really want to get people back in for all those preventative care screenings that they may have let go this past year. Yeah, especially, you know, because of this last year, I think that I, I know for myself and I know for so many girls that have reached out, it's been, you know, our focus was staying at home. And so now you're 
you were late on this, you know, this doctor's visit or this type of appointment or whatever. But I do think I know for me, I just tried to go see my OBGYN and there was a month uh, long wait list. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be, uh, I think, patient <laughs> in the sense that, you know, they're everyone, these doctors are trying to catch up. Yeah, be patient, but get your name on the list. Get your yeah, name in the books. <laughs> get, your name, get your name, get something locked down in the calendar. But just That's right. Lock it down. <laughs> you might have to wait. Um, you know, in terms of health concerns, are there any special screenings for specific, for women of different backgrounds? Yeah, so um, that's that's a really interesting um, question because there are um, some specific guidelines um, related to people who are of different ethnicities and um, other um, other conditions. So, for instance, um, we know that in amongst um, Black Americans, uh, breast cancer is more common in younger women, and it tends to be more aggressive as well. And it's also more common that they would have the BRCA gene mutation, which is a gene mutation that makes their risk a lot higher for um, uh, breast cancer. We also know that that's true with um, the Ashkenazi Jewish descent as well. Your doctors are very good um, with knowing these risk factors. And so I think, again, following that guidance um, that you get from your your healthcare provider is really, really important because they may ask for screenings at an earlier age um, and then different screenings. Or for instance, uh, another one that was interesting is, um, you know, screening for diabetes. Um, We do that for folks that are overweight um, as a common screening tool um, because it is more common in people that are overweight to to develop diabetes. Um, But with Asian Americans, um, folks who have a BMI of 23, which is not considered overweight, we still would probably do a screening on them uh, based on general guidelines. Um, uh, Just different people and uh, just have different makeups. And so we do have um, some scientific evidence that that uh, we follow and, and guidelines that we follow for those sorts of screenings. So, um, you know, I think the most important thing here is that you talk to your doctor specifically about what's right for you with your background and, and who you are. And also sort of on that, um, you know, being an advocate for yourselves, yourself, uh, does that also entail, you know, if something feels off or, you know, should you be calling and making an appointment with, your doctor, if something just, you know, you just aren't feeling right or something feels. Yeah. Let them help you. Let them help you figure it out. You know, you don't have to figure out everything on your own. I think like we talked about before with Google available, we, so, you know, if we, we need to change a filter in our furnace, we go Google that, you know, healthcare is different, you know, your body's different and your providers have spent years learning about the human body and the science behind it. Let them help you, (laughs) you know, these are important things to, to bring to a professional, I think, when you're not feeling right. If something feels wrong, bring it to them. Well, and also on that note, you know, we want women to feel like they can be their own best health advocate. So what should you do if a doctor, you don't feel like a doctor is listening to your concerns or you don't feel like they are taking you seriously? What advice do you have for women Yeah, I think you have to, um, frankly, I think that if you just don't feel like you have a good connection with somebody, whether it's, um, you know, just interpersonally, you just don't don't communicate with them well, or you've, on the other side of that, you just feel like they're just not listening to you or that they're not taking you seriously, then you just, I think, sometimes have to move on. Uh, You just find another provider that you can um, connect with. And sometimes it takes several to to find that provider uh, that you feel really comfortable connecting with. And, you know, it could be a, a physician assistant, it could be a nurse practitioner 
practitioner. It could be uh, MD, DO. Uh, some people even prefer uh, naturopathic physicians. Um, you know, it's it's just who who's going to provide you that great health care that, um, you know, where you're getting your screenings and they're listening to your concerns. Um, I think that those are important. You know, it's really important that we, we connect with the, somebody that way. Yeah, it's funny, actually, with my doctor, I don't know if I should be admitting this, but I actually followed the nurse from one doctor's office to another doctor doctor's office because I really liked her and I felt very comfortable with her. So I think it is important to find someone within a practice that you feel comfortable with and you feel like you can ask the questions and not feel like you're being judged, but also feel like your needs and your health concerns are being met and you're being proactive and pre preventing any possible future, you know, issues. Um, but sort of being going back to the being proactive aspect of all these things, mm -hmm. are there things that we should be doing as women that are self tests? You know, I, I was looking at that and I, I can't really think of anything in specific, specifically as a self-test, I, I, um, I can't really think of any specific self-test. I'm not sure if there's anything you can think of that you've heard or, you know, that like has come up. Breast self-exam? Well, something like that. Okay. So self-breast exam, it's, that's interesting. Um, I do not think there's much harm to doing self-breast exam. However, um, the guidelines generally have changed a little bit around doing self-breast exams and they don't, they're not highly recommended as they used to be. I mean, back when I first started 20 some years ago, we taught everybody how to do self-breast exams and we recommended them, they do them monthly. Um, I, I can tell you that story-wise, I can tell you that I've had people come in and, and they've identified a lump and we've followed that with a mammogram and, and they'd had their regular mammograms, but they did find a lump that was new and we were able to diagnose a breast cancer maybe earlier because they did. I don't see a specific problem with it, but when you look at the, the evidence, like the scientific evidence, it doesn't show a significant increase in finding breast cancers early and or the outcome of giving people extra years and extra life from finding that a breast cancer early. It's one of those really strange things about the science behind things where um, the outcomes can sometimes be the same, whether we find something you know now versus in six months. My leaning is going to be towards go ahead and, and do it. You know, go ahead and examine things and, and do that kind of stuff. Um, but I just have to say from the science behind it, it just, you know, there's a little controversy there. Controversy. Well, and I also think too, when it comes to sort of self-test, I think that at the end of the day, we know our bodies best. Right. And I think it is really important to, however it is for you to, you know, feel like you are one with your body to be aware of the ways in which maybe your body's changing or you don't feel the same, or maybe you do notice a lump that showed up somewhere. And I think that's where it's really important, you know, to know your body and to, you know, be aware of things that may, for instance, you brought up earlier being lethargic, you know, mm -hmm. there could be a medical reason why I would assume that you're not, you're fatigued or, you know, you're yeah, tired. lethargic, short of breath, you know, chest discomfort. Um, but I was going to say another thing, you know, self-exam for your skin is very important too. I, that's another thing that I oh, didn't yeah, think of when you're, yeah. you know, because um, <laughs> you have to prompt me sometimes to get there. But yeah, th that's another one. We should be checking our own skin frequently and looking at our moles and our, and our skin stuff to see if there's any changes. Because again, that's something that, um, you know, it, we need to bring forward if we're seeing something that's, you know, a, a scab that doesn't heal or something that's growing or changing or looks unusual, 
that sort of thing. So I'm all for that. You know what I mean? And bring that forward to if you see something different or unusual. I think that's good advice. And we are running out of time. So is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap this up? I can't think of anything in spe specifically, um, but this is a great conversation. And I think, you know, um, my thoughts are, you know, just from having this conversation, probably another a great podcast would be to talk about HPV. I just, I found that our discussion, you know, as we started to get into that, we could have gone much farther and deeper into that. And I uh, would be interested in, in seeing whether folks on social media are interested in uh, more information around uh, the human papillomavirus. I agree. And I think that that's a, it's a big issue, especially for women and especially for my audience. So I, I definitely, I think having that discussion and I think, you know, just continuing to have discussions where we encourage women to, you know, ask the questions that maybe you don't feel comfortable asking or, you know, going to your doctor and being proactive and you know, right. doing what you can to, cause we only have one body. So that's right. I think it's important that we try our best to keep it as healthy as we can. Yeah, and take good care of ourselves lifestyle-wise, too. I think that that's another big issue that we, we all struggle with. Actually, I feel like that could be a lot of, ep a lot of episodes on that topic. Because right. it's, it is very, uh, it's, I, it sounds easier, I think, than it really is. Right. You so, are right. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us today on her health and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to continuing the conversation on women's health with more experts from Providence in future episodes. Make sure to listen to all of our shows on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and Instagram under Providence Health System. To learn more about our mission, programs, and services, go to providence.org. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.